The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The government has approved new laws for abortion safe access zones, which will make it illegal to protest outside locations offering abortion services. The proposals will see a 100-metre buffer zone imposed outside clinics, while anyone in breach of the law could face a €2,500 fine or six months in prison. With us is the Minister for Health, um, Stephen Donnelly. The um, protesting that will be banned, Minister, is it is it attending? Is it holding signs? Is it chanting? Is it interfering with people trying to get into the clinics? Good evening, Anton. So it's an important step today. It's one measure of many in terms of women's health care that are being rolled out and one step of many in terms of... Um, re- being able to a- access termination services as well. So essentially what this uh, law will do is establish a 100 metre zone, safe zone, safe access zone around facilities providing termination services. So that's maternity units, GP practices, family planning clinics, women's healthcare clinics. And essentially there are two things that will be prohibited under this new legislation. <clears throat> the first is that women going in to seek access to these services and indeed healthcare professionals going in to provide the services, they cannot be impeded coming in or out of the facilities. And secondly, people can't attempt to influence the decision uh, that they're making in seeking a termination of pregnancy service. It's important to say as well, there's no ban of any type outside of the 100 metre uh, zone. So it's it's those two specific uh, measures that and when you say impede, because obviously the interpretation of that will be significant when the law comes into effect, that means physically obstruct the person from getting to the clinic. It doesn't mean stand and chant or hold placards or whatever else I might choose to do. It, it So impede, yes, impede would be physically trying to stop somebody, but the placards and the chanting would be covered under the second measure, which is trying to influence someone uh, who is seeking to access those services. Does that mean that it has to be directed at an individual to be in breach in the law? Am I entitled to protest the fact that such a clinic exists in this area, but not allowed to protest an individual going into it? Or is that dancing on the head of a pin? There will be um, guarded discretion. Guardi will be able to apply common sense to this. So, for example, um, somebody uh, who is, let's say, within 100 metres of a maternity hospital or a GP clinic who is minding their own business, uh, who might be praying, for example, that would not be be deemed to be trying to influence any woman trying to access these services. Uh, we've had reports in the past of groups of people uh, standing with white coffins very close to entrances, very loudly you know, saying decades of the rosary. That, I think, for me, would very, would reasonably be viewed as trying to influence the, 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 the decision of, of a woman who's seeking to access those services. Now, critically, in the first instance, the Garda will, must uh, provide a warning. And it's a warning then that is, that is recorded. So if an offence can only be committed if someone has been warned by a guard, has been asked to cease what they are doing, and essentially refuses to cease, and I would imagine in, in, in cases, you know, com- continue to do so repeatedly. How do you balance that with people's right to free speech and free protest? Because those who will be pro-life will say that in their view, this is a hugely significant thing that they are trying to prevent, that they are trying to, in their view, save a life. And peacefully protesting to achieve that is within their rights and shouldn't be impinged upon. Peacefully protesting to achieve that is 
absolutely legitimate. It is, of course, legitimate. And it's one of the cornerstones of our democracy is that people have the right to protest. And I say that as someone who's had protesters outside my house. So I fully, fully respect the right to protest. Uh, it, it's very, very important. The, the, the difference here is that, is that this activity, as far as government is concerned and under the law, essentially is impeding safe access to legally provided services. So what we are doing with this is we're saying that every woman in this country who wants to access these services, which are legally provided services, must be able to do so with privacy, with dignity and with safety. In other words, without having to, in essence, pass a picket, without having to suffer the indignity of having people be protesting and drawing attention to the fact that she is going into the clinic. Exactly. And my own view is, you know, hospitals are not places for this. Hospitals are places of healthcare provision. And uh, people people who are going in and out of hospitals for a variety of reasons are in often very sensitive position. Any woman who's going in to seek these services, it's a, it, is a, it is a sensitive and difficult time for them. Uh, and anyone who wants to protest can protest you know, wherever they want, except within 100 metres of, of where people are trying to access these services. Well, and, 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 and my view and government's view is that that, uh, that achieves the balance. Because indeed. what you said is... Well, is can essential. I pick up on that thing of the 100 metres? Because you and I were discussing this in, in the break just before it started, which is the, the potential overlap with that 100 metre zone and places where one's capacity to express their religious beliefs, as case in point, are enshrined in law. So that if you have a situation where you go to a centre of a town and if a GP's clinic is within 100 metres, as many will be, of a church or anything else where people are allowed to express their religious beliefs, how do you square that circle where people can say, I'm entirely entitled to go into my church grounds and pray loudly for the redemption of the souls of these women if I choose to? There are two very explicit uh, provisions within the legislation speaking to exactly this. The first is that there is no prohibition within 100 metres of any entrance into the Oireachtas, as long as it's not aimed at a particular institution. So, for example, you could be with 100 metres from the Oireachtas and protesting about things going on on Hollis Street, which is very close. So you can you can protest within 100 metres of, of the... There, there's a... The, the the safe access zone doesn't apply within you know with within proximity to the Oireachtas, other than if it's directed at a specific hospital or healthcare provider, and then secondly, places of religious worship have been explicitly excluded from a safe access zone. So it, it will undoubtedly be the case that there are churches and places of worship within a hundred meters of GP clinics or family planning or or hospitals. Um, they are explicitly excluded from any prohibitions. In other words, you can do whatever you want within your place of worship. Does that end up with the potential that in the rare instance, and it may not be that rare, that you have that direct overlap, that they become flashpoints, that people will decide if I am going to protest, I will do it in the grounds of my church where I know I can't be touched? Look, I would hope not. I would hope not. I mean, the, the vast majority of people who uh, have concerns about this, very deeply held concerns about this, um, want to protest peacefully. They do not want to intimidate or harass or in other words, in, in, in other ways, create an unsafe environment for people who are seeking, you know, healthcare services. Is it, is it, is it theoretically possible? It is. But, but, you know, we just need common sense across the board on this. How big a problem do you think this was that you needed to legislate for it? We had, um, we've had reports from around the country of uh, GPs being harassed. Certainly we've had personal testimony from GPs who said they have been targeted. They found it, They have found it very difficult. Their patients have been targeted. We know that there have been protests outside some of the maternity hospitals, including in Limerick, for example, 
And we know that both women accessing the services and healthcare providers um, have found that very difficult uh, and have felt compromised and have not always felt safe. There's a, a, um, other, other matters that I wanted to ask you about, one of which was um, I spoke last week to Sinn Féin's health spokesperson, David Colnan, about the delays in the Children's Hospital. And he outlined that there were, I think it was 11 theatres which were going to need fundamental rework on their ventilation and that this was going to run to millions of euros in a bill and possibly, depending on how it could be organised, further delay the delivery of the National Maternity Hospital. Is he right? No, he's not right. Um, I've discussed this with the Chief Executive of the Hospital Development Board and, and I'm meeting both Children's Health Ireland and the Development Board later on this week. The position is that there is an issue that has been raised around the ventilation in 11 theatres. Now, there's thousands of rooms in the Children's Hospital and there are 700 rooms within the Children's Hospital where there is specialised ventilation, just, just to be clear. Yeah, but how many theatres are there? Sure, these are theatres and these are highly specialised, but there are plenty of other parts of the hospital with specialised ventilation as well. Um, There are differences of opinions amongst the experts as to the level of work. There are experts saying this requires some pretty small remediation. There are others saying actually this requires uh, considerable remediation. Uh, the development board is engaged with both. They're doing what you would expect them to do, which is which is run through this, get, get an expert opinion. Um, and this doesn't need to delay the hospital at all. And certainly, I don't want to be standing over um, any course of action that would give any party involved in this a reason to be able to say, well, we're going to have to deliver but this how later. how did we get here, Minister? I mean, I would have thought one of the basic things is when you're building operating theatres, when you're building a hospital, what's at the absolute pointy end is delivery of service in the most critical areas, which is the operating theatres, and the ventilation to those theatres is kind of important. So how do you manage to make a mess of the ventilation requirements of 11 operating theatres. Well, let's be let's let the process continue and establish all of the facts. So Sinn Féin came out with a sort of an apocryphal <laughs> view of the world where everything was going to get delayed for a year and it was going to cost tens of millions a year that has not been established. Um, it may be the case as one of the groups involved are saying uh, which is there are fairly minor works required to adjust something uh, is something within the operating theatres. My hope is that that is the case. If more significant works are required, we, we will look at that. But one option is that we uh, do that during the commissioning phase, which therefore shouldn't delay the handover of the hospital by the contractor by a single day. Can I bring you to the other matter, of course, that has been making all of the the news for the last number of days, which is RTE and the um, scandal of hidden payments to Ryan Tuberty and the therefore understatement of his earnings when they were publicly uh, declared. We were told yesterday that there was going to be a statement this afternoon. Uh, We were led to believe that statement would be between three o'clock and four o'clock this afternoon. That ship has since sailed and we have received nothing yet. In your view, that comprehensive statement needs to provide what answers to satisfy government's concerns? We need the facts. Uh, and Minister Martin has been in contact with the board to make her position and government's position very clear that this needs to be a comprehensive statement in terms of the payments that were made, the amounts that were declared and not declared, uh, the provenance of these payments, and critically, why they weren't declared. Because I think... That is the question that um, that a lot of people are asking. Now, can of, I put it to you, Minister? RTE. If this was, let us imagine, the HSE 
or if this was an acute hospital within your remit and you discovered that you had had this kind of uh, overpayment or unstated overpayment to a senior executive, if you discovered that the manner in which it had been dealt with was that the senior manager had resigned and was therefore not going to show up in front of an Nazis committee, I assume you would be at the point of saying, total clear out, root and branch review, somebody in externally to actually run this thing for 18 months and get it back on its feet the way it should be. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to establish the facts. We're waiting on this statement now from uh, the board of RTE and there will be two pretty thorough days of committee hearings. We have the media committee. That well, we, we know a lot of fairly me. egregious facts so far. Look, we, sure, but before before we move to judgment, it's important we have the facts. And right now, uh, all of the required facts uh, are, are not available. So that's what we need to see. The other thing that Minister Martin... Well, we know that two €75,000 payments were made to Ryan Tuberty in a way that meant the disclosure of his accounts was entirely different to the reality and that RTE incurred additional costs of €80,000 roughly to use that system to pay him. That's fact. We know that. Yeah, that what, what has happened is, is, is absolutely not acceptable. The whole point of publishing the salaries, it's meant to be an exercise in transparency. Uh, it is the public sector broadcaster and uh, an exercise in transparency should obviously be full, uh, fully transparent and clearly this wasn't. I think Minister Martin has done the right thing. Um, she, is, she is putting together a review not just into this issue but more broadly into the governance of RTE. She's finalising the terms of reference. I believe there'll be an incorporeal cabinet meeting later on this week uh, and uh, government will agree those and then and then we'll move forward with this. One of the things, Anton, I, I, I would like to say, if I may, so the current situation, it's not acceptable. I was in RTE earlier on today. There is a lot of hurt. There's a lot of people um, who earn, you know, normal wages who are, feel very, very strongly about what has happened. And indeed, there are journalists um, who are concerned about the reputational damage to RTE. But I, I would say this, we need the likes of public sector broadcasting and the likes of news talk more than ever. More and more now in the world, there is misinformation and disinformation um, with the prevalence of AI. It's becoming more, you know, it, it, it is becoming harder and harder online for people to discern truth from fiction. And so there needs to be a very thorough review. We need answers to this. We need to be absolutely clear, as, as we all are, that what happened is not acceptable. RTE needs to, to emerge from this stronger because the likes of you guys here in News Talk and RTE and the other mainstream media, we, we in a healthy democracy need all of you more, I would say, than we ever have before. Well, we will keep you updated as to when we get that statement, what it actually entails. That was the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. Minister, thank you very much for coming in. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.